Now, you do know we have a spreadsheet full of new releases, right? Like, do you, you know I haven't looked at it? <laughs> I know you don't look at it. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk, Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing some reviews of new releases. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? Great. Yeah. Great. You're, you're um, bundled up over there. You got a I double, am. you got a cardigan and a turtleneck. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's from Softies, actually. Mm-hmm. It is very cozy, but for some reason, the spare bedroom that I record in is freezing. Mm. Yes. Um, and it's so cold. Yeah, it's really cold. Winter's here. I mean, We've been lucky so far. Winter's here, but without snow, which is the best type of winter there is. (laughs) I like snow. We just got a bunch. Well, you know, they were saying, oh my gosh, epic snowstorm. And it was two inches where I am. So I was was like, well, it is fun. I do like snow though, but it's because I have the privilege of not working outside. So like Mm -hmm. when when it snows and Jonathan's at work, I don't love it because I get worried about him. But I like to look at it from inside my house. (laughs) (laughs) Well... As we were talking about briefly before we started recording, I am buzzing about my new releases today. I had the best time scoping them out and then reading them. So I think this is going to be um, a fun episode. Good. Yeah, I have one of mine is five stars. So I have alert. two. Two five stars. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, let's get started so you can tell us about it. My loving lately is thanks to Renee. It is. Oh. <laughs> it's been making cold brew at home. And oh, okay. I say it's thanks to Renee because for Christmas, she bought me a cold brew maker, basically. So it's it's like basically a pitcher that you put in your fridge. Inside, there's a filter that you fill with coffee, and then it just sits in your fridge. And oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. I thought that looked like. Mm-hmm. So handy. Oh, it's so handy. It's perfect. And we're going to link to it in the show notes. There's a lot of options. There's Amazon has a ton of different ones, but basically it's just a large carafe. And there's that filter inside. You pack it with ground coffee. What I like, I am a volume drinker. Like I like a big iced coffee. I don't want a small little cup. <laughs> I need a volume. I need a big coffee. And I get about three to four days out of one little pitcher. And then in the morning, like this morning, I finished it and I just refilled it. I washed it out put more coffee and refilled it. I'm never without cold brew. So I'm never like, oh my God, I have to run to the store and get stoked. I also have been saving so much money on no Dunkin' because that's my poison of choice is mm-hmm. Dunkin' Donuts. Love it. I haven't had it in at least a month. And it's kind of been nice. It's been a very big money saver. And what I do, um, you can doctor it up however you want. I just do a, a bunch of ice. It's like a big mason jar, a bunch of ice, the iced cold brew on top. And then I like Chobani creamer, specifically their sweet cream. I just use a tiny bit. It's so good. And then I throw one Splenda in. But obviously, you can make it however you like. So my loving lately has been making iced cold brew. I keep saying iced cold brew. It's a whatever. It's been making cold <laughs> brew at home. I love it. Okay, I'm glad yeah, so that thank worked you. out. It, it's a very handy Christmas present. 
Yes. I And I love that you drink cold brew year round because oh, when yeah. I saw that, I at first I was like, oh, shoot. Will she not be able to use that till the weather's warm? But no, you drink it year round. Oh, yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my Loving Lately, you will not be surprised about, but you might be surprised that this is one of my new projects. Um, it is an Elevate Vision Board Kit. Ooh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That I, yes, I got mm-hmm. it at Barnes & Noble. And I think it's, I got it on clearance, but it's actually only like $10, I believe. Um, originally, I think I got it for 8 before Christmas. And I was like, oh, perfect. I have been, every year I say, I'm going to do a vision board. And then I don't do it. So this is a kit. And it is, I will link to the exact one, but it's called Elevate Vision Board. And it is their Life Goals Kit by Shanna Kennedy. And it's simple. It's a little box, but it's very simple. I mean, you have to have your own cork board. I just used a kind of a hard, thick poster board type, but the kit comes with 80 prompt cards with words and images. And then there's a little workbook that you can fill out. I read through it. I'm picking and choosing what I want to fill out because I already know a lot about what I'm looking for to put on the vision board, but I just like it. So a vision, doing a vision board, it can be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be called a vision board. It can be my goal, you know, a goal board, a dream board. It can be whatever you want, but the idea behind it is to pick words and images that resonate with you, what you might want to achieve, what you might want your life to look like in six months, in a year, and put those on the board and then really kind of um, look at them on a regular basis and then take action. Action is the is the key. You don't want to just put it on there and hope for the best. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, it's not a wish board, but this has been really fun. So I, I I finished it last night and I had the best time. I had the best time doing it. And I mean, we'll see what happens, but um, it was a fun project. And then in probably in three or six months, you know, I'll evaluate. And is there anything not resonating with me? I'll take it off. Maybe I'll add something. Something that I did extra with this is go through some magazines and kind of also cut out some words that I added with the prompt cards and the words and images in this pack. But it was pretty thorough, and I used most everything from this kit. So that is the Elevate Vision Board Kit. I love that. And it's probably so fun to look back on it. You said it, though. We can't just set goals and forget about them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then at mm-hmm. the end of the year, be like, wow, I didn't achieve any of that. Because, you know, <laughs> if it's not in front of you. And I like that visually. I imagine it's, are you keeping it somewhere where you can look at it a lot? Yes. I'm, well, and I don't want it out though. Right. I don't don't want want it looking at my visions in my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's in, in, it's in a weird place actually, but it's in my hall closet where I, but I open it every day. That's actually really smart. Yeah. Yeah. To get out. I, you know, it's where the sweepers are. It's where, so I can see it. But what I also did, I took a screenshot of it. So oh, it's in my photos nice. and I can just pull it up and make sure I'm, I look at it that way every day, as well as when I open the closet door. <laughs> I think that's smart. Right. Yeah. Let me tell you about my latest read. It is The Last House on the Street by Diane Chamberlain. A community's past sins rise to the surface 
when two women a generation apart find themselves bound by tragedy in an unsolved decades-old mystery. So this is historical fiction meets mystery, and it's set in North Carolina with two timelines, 1965 and 2010. Ellie Hockley is the main character in 1965. She grew up in a well-to-do family and has expectations of being a proper Southern lady. She is in college and has a steady boyfriend, but something deep down within her is not resonating with the expected path that she's supposed to take, and she decides to follow her late aunt's footsteps and spends her summer break working as a volunteer to help register Black voters in her county via the SCOPE project. And I wasn't familiar, but the SCOPE project was a voter registration civil rights initiative that really happened um, in 1965. So the author took this thing that really happened and infused it into her fiction story. And Ellie knew it would be hard, but wasn't expecting the scorn she gets from her parents, their neighbors, and even those closest to her. The second point of view is that of Kayla Carter. She's an architect, and she and her husband designed this beautiful home in this new development, Shadow Ridge Estates. And it was supposed to be a home where they could raise their daughter, but unfortunately, a horrible accident killed Kayla's husband. So now she's a single mom raising this daughter in this home that they created together. She's at work, and this woman comes to her work and is dead set against Kayla moving in and, like, makes vague threats and is super weird about it. And that's kind of the setup. It goes back and forth between the two time periods. I enjoyed both. I would say the 1965 time period, though, was the one that I really, really connected with. It was a pick for our In Real Life book club, and I was frankly surprised by how invested I was in this. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was in it. I know Diane Chamberlain is a prolific author and I'd never read her before. She reminded me a bit of old school Jodi Pico with lots of research, fully developed characters, and a storyline that will educate you and tug at your heartstrings. That's what I got from this story. The audio was great and I got hooked right away with that strange woman coming into her business and threatening her. And this is sad. It's very much rooted in history and naturally as somebody in an interracial relationship gave me a lot to reflect on. And I would have loved, though, to learn more about the Scope Project, but as you'll hear later on, this inspired me to pick up nonfiction, which I always appreciate. All told, I really liked this and I thought it was great for our book club. It generated wonderful conversation and it was The Last House on the Street by Diane Chamberlain. Oh, okay. I'm glad that worked out. That was your first read by her, right? It was. Yes. Have you read yeah. her? Yes. I read The Dream Daughter. Yeah. Loved it. <gasps> okay. Good. Loved yeah. It. I'm like, what? where have I been? Living under a rock? Because I've never <laughs> read her before. <laughs> okay. My latest read is Erasure by Percival Everett. Ooh. This is very backlist. Uh, I have to. I have to quickly say how interest this is number one yes an interesting book but how this came on my radar this is actually the book that is inspiring an upcoming movie called american fiction i saw the movie trailer for that in december when we went and um, saw ferrari and when i saw it i was like oh my gosh that movie looks so good so good um, I don't know if Darren thought it did, but I was like, I want to see that movie. I believe it comes out in February. So cut to a recent Discord comment in our Patreon Discord community. And Kate, who is one of our patrons, mentioned that 
this book was the basis for that movie, American Fiction. And I was thought, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. As soon as I hear something like that with a movie that I want to see, I have to go read the book first if I can. So I was able to grab this on audio. The audio was just recently produced. I believe this book might have been published like in 2001. And the audio, like I said, was just, I think it just came out in December. You can tell the audio production, the narrator was amazing with voices. I absolutely thought there was more than one narrator. So let me tell you what this is about. This is about Thelonious Monk Ellison. He goes by Monk and his writing career, which has bottomed out. His latest manuscript has been rejected by 17 publishers, which which stings all the more because his previous novels had been, quote, critically acclaimed. And he is seething. He is seething on the Um, sidelines of the whole literary establishment as he watches the meteoric success of Juanita Mae Jenkins' bestseller called Weez Lives in the Ghetto. It is her first novel, and he watches an interview with her, and she is asked, what was your inspiration for your book? And she said, I went to visit some relatives in Harlem for a couple days. And he just cannot get over the fact that this book, which he feels is horribly written, is skyrocketing to the bestseller list. She's got movie rights. She's making tons of money. And meanwhile, he has real struggles. He is dealing with family tragedies. His mother is slowly succumbing to Alzheimer's. And he is still grappling with the traumatic death of his father years before. So one day, his rage and despair takes over, and he dashes off a novel meant to be an indictment of Juanita May's bestseller. And he doesn't intend for his novel that he titles My Pathology, P-A-F-O-L-O-G-Y, <laughs> to be published, let alone taken seriously. But it is. His agent sends it out. It is grabbed by publishers, and it is published under a pseudonym, Stag R. Leah, and it soon becomes the next big thing. Now, how Monk deals with the personal and professional fallout just is, in turns, hysterical, but also devastating. Oh my gosh, this book. I have not read Percival Everett before. I will definitely remedy that. I don't even know how to describe this book because it is it is funny. It is thought-provoking. It challenged me in ways I did not expect. He tackled themes of sibling dynamics, aging parents, middle age, being lost, trauma, resilience, and the literary world like readers and publishers alike. Yes, there is absolutely an a race element to this story. And it it is fascinating. And I kept thinking for me where yellow face didn't work, this absolutely worked. I'm still trying to work through 
why, because there is a lot going on in this book, you have to pay attention. It's also highly entertaining. Although there were times when I was reading that he chose to make things happen in the plot that uh, were shocking and sad and I and surprising all at once. And then the structure of this, some readers may struggle with the structure. And what I and what I am seeing from some comments in our Discord, it seems like maybe people struggled more with the print version of this. And I don't have that to compare it to because I only had the audio and I didn't struggle with the audio as far as the abrupt changes sometimes in perspective and characters. But what I will say, so structurally, I was in the story, in the story, in the story, following, laughing, like gasping at times. I mean, I was emotionally, I was all over the place. And then he actually puts the entire novel that Monk writes is in this book. So you you will read the entire novel. Now, it's it's more like a novella, I would say, but you've got to stay in that. And I found it riveting. I was actually, at first I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to get this whole book. But wait, I want to go back to Monk's story. But no, stay with it. I, I then became completely invested in this book he was writing, which was a satire. But then I kept thinking, is it a satire? The whole time I was reading, I, I was challenging myself to try to understand what Percival Ever, Everett was trying to tell us. What did he want? What does he want me to take from this book? I'm still thinking about it. We have a little discussion going in Discord. I cannot wait to see how this plays out on the big screen. I think... If you, please give this a try. And if you do read it, I would like to talk about it. Not everyone is going to be happy with what the author chose to do with the ending. Um, I will say this. I was driving when I finished this and I thought my audio, I thought my audio might've skipped and stopped. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I went back and no, nope, it was the end. So um, there's a lot to talk about, but you know what? I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I like what he did. I, I'm sure people who have read this author are like, yeah, you're late to the game on reading this <laughs> author. But I'm, gosh, what a what a smart story and a really interesting structure this was. I, I loved it. I can't wait to talk more about it. And I can't wait to see the movie. It's Erasure by Percival Everett. Wow, good job. I'm going to read it now. And he's got yeah. one coming out later this year. James, James, James I have a copy of it. <clears throat> yes, I do too. It's going to be real fuzzy. But good. I'm glad that one worked for you. So for book talk today, we thought it would be fun in our easily distracted by new releases episodes to do something just a tiny bit different. And what we're doing, it's for book talk, we're, we're calling it the state of, the state of something. It could be the mm-hmm. state of our bookshelves, the state of our reading goals, what have you. And so for this particular conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about nonfiction. So what is the state of our nonfiction in the new year? And for me, 
Earlier this year, we talked about some of our reading goals and in an attempt to actually achieve these goals and remember what they are as opposed to last year, (laughs) I thought it would be good to talk about these periodically, you know, in our episodes. One of my goals was to have a nonfiction going pretty much at all times. I enjoy nonfiction, but my desire to read it often gets buried by buzzy fiction. But I find if I have one started, it's much easier to pick it up throughout the week. Because for me, the challenge is getting started. Once I'm in it, I'm fine. The challenge sometimes is getting started. So that's why I like to read multiple books. And we thought it would be fun to share some of our nonfiction to read for the rest of the year. I have to say most of my picks are Renee's books (laughs) that she has tempted me with and brought to the show. But go ahead and kick things off. What is on your to-read list for the rest of this year in terms of, not the rest of this year, but your short Mm -hmm. list for nonfiction? Okay. Well, when you suggested this, you know me, I was like, nonfiction? Uh, Yes. I am still in a nonfiction kick, and it's, it, I don't think this is going to pass for me. So I actually have a really interesting, I think, way of of tackling my nonfiction to read list. And that is I have several books going at once. And because of my I, I'm a I'm a mood reader through and through, that also applies to my nonfiction. I like to learn things here, there, and everywhere. So I I went throughout the house and I actually have five nonfictions in process. And I don't read these fast. I'm actually, I read everything slow. So I'm at different places in each one. So one nonfiction that I am reading right now is Outlive, and that is The Science and Art of Longevity by Peter Atia. This one is big. This is a long one. I'm doing a buddy read of this with one of, with my older son. I think he's a lot farther than I am, but this kind of fulfills my wanting to learn new things about longevity. I'm very interested in that. And so that one I have I have going right now. I have that on audio. I have it in print and I have the ebook. So depending on if I have time, maybe I'll spend 15 minutes on a walk and I'll just listen to 15 minutes. And then maybe I'll do 10 minutes at night on my Kindle. You know, those are my two main ones right right now, even though I have print. Darren actually took the print and he's reading it. So he mainly has the print now. But so that's one of my books. That's true. And this is, I kind of set you up because I too have that on my list and I knew you did. So I was like, let me have you talk about it. But the publisher sent me a copy and I thought, oh my gosh, what I loved about it, it's written by a longevity expert. I think that's so cool. Like the thought of a longevity expert. Obviously, this is something he studies pretty closely. And I like that it's a conversation about medical thinking and maybe about why people Mm -hmm. or or the medical industry does the things they do and why. And it's a new approach to prevent chronic illness and extend long-term health. I swear to God, I turned 40. I was like, great, outlive the blue zones. I had another (laughs) one. I was like, they all just found me. And I said, great, come on in. Um, But yeah, so that one is on my list too. The other one I'll go quickly because it was Renee's best book of 2023, Mm -hmm. The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. Mm -hmm. And okay, listen, it's about, you've heard us talk about it before. Um, It's to help readers connect with the wellsprings of their creativity. It's very woo-woo. It's very woo, but mm -hmm. I'm sitting with it. And again, you know, it's a busy time of year. I'm not trying to place any sort of 
timeline expectations on myself. Like, oh, you have to read this for you know the next show or whatever. I'm just picking it up periodically. But so far, so good. I like it. And it's also beautiful in print. It's like this very texturally satisfying yes. book. Mm-hmm. I know. sounds strange, but pick it up if you happen yeah. to see it. You are so right about that. I was at Barnes & Noble a couple days ago, and they had a display of like best um, 2023 books. And this was on top. Mm. And Tina, I wa- I just walked by it and I I like petted it. I just, I just, I rub, I did it texturally. There's something about that book, even though I have it on my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. I just, I just kind of touched it in the bookstore. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with Um, that. Okay. Another one of my nonfictions I have going, um, and I have this in, I just kind of have this in my den and I, I just, when I, so when I walk in there, which is where Vinny's crate is and every now and then I'll go in. Anyway, I have big magic. Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. I like to pull this out a lot. I mean, every, and just read, it doesn't even really matter. You can read a couple pages, but I really find this entire book thought-provoking and helpful. I've listened to this on audio before, but I just bought the print copy in the fall. So going through it in print is just a different way of taking in the information Elizabeth Gilbert, as we know, is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. and But Big Magic is really her just gigantic dose of encouragement. I think it would be a great book flight with the creative act. I think that would, yeah, I think that they each have something different as far as in- encouraging us to live a more creative life. Yes, I totally agree with you. And I thought of that book when I was reading this one. Specifically, there's this idea of creativity and putting things out into the world. If something enters your mind, you know, act on it. Otherwise, it'll find another host, mm-hmm. basically. And yeah. I thought, oh my God, that's so interesting. And like, you know how we see this in publishing, you'll see a lot of the same ideas come up at the, about the same time. And it's not because the authors are influenced by each other because the books will hit pretty much at the same time, or maybe they were, but it's just these things are like in the ether. That's a very interesting thought to me. But yes, I mm-hmm. made those, I made that connection as well. Another one that I'm actually reading, I've been reading for a really long time because print is hard for me. It's 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. I keep calling this 4,000 hours. (laughs) I pray that my life is longer than that. 4,000 Weeks, it's the philosophical guide to time and time management. And basically the premise is we only have 4,000 weeks to live if we are very, very lucky. And how do we find joy and comfort Mm -hmm. and reconcile that knowledge and spend our time doing the things that really matter to us while still having to do the normal every day. But gosh, it's a great book. I'm loving it. I know you brought this a long time ago, but yeah, I'm finally Mm -hmm. picking it up. I like nonfiction in print because I'm an annotator and I like to write in my books and I want to see them in my hands. Right. Yes, that's how that's my process. Okay. All right. Another book. Now, I guess technically this is still on my to read because I've only like picked it up, looked at it, looked at chapter titles, looked at where I want to start because that's something else I do with nonfiction. I don't necessarily always start at the beginning. If I see something like a chapter that really resonates right now today, I might just start there. No. I do. Sometimes I do. (laughs) (laughs) I will go back, but sometimes I like to do that. And that, and this particular book is Deep Work. Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World by Cal Newport. I mean, the title says it all. We are all distracted. I am I am 
always distracted, where I, I would like to be less distracted moving forward. But I, I, that's kind of an ongoing goal. And it's really hard. I think it's hard with with phones and social media and notifications and all the things, plus just day-to-day life and activities. It's hard not to be distracted. I have wanted to read Cal Newport for, for quite a while. So this is the book I've decided to start with, but he definitely has others I'm interested in. This one, though, this is the one that is in the kitchen waiting. <laughs> I love your kitchen books. Okay, so earlier I was talking about The House at the End of the Street and how it inspired me to read more nonfiction. And the book that I chose to pair with that is How the Word is Passed, A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America by Clint Smith. I'm listening to this right now. Oh my God. I started listening to it halfway through the first essay. I'm like, oh great, an immediate five stars. Immediate five stars. I am obsessed with this book in a, I mean, that sounds really weird to say. It's just brilliantly written. He is a poet, and the way that he strings words together is just just inspiring. He's also reading the audiobook. His voice is like butter. So I <laughs> immediately went to download some of his poetry, too, because I'm like, oh, I just love how you think. And he is essentially taking the reader on a tour of monuments and landmarks, those that are honest and not honest, to tell the story about how slavery has been central in shaping our nation's collective history and our shelves. Again, writing is impeccable. I'm really enjoying this. I need to get a print copy of it. That's like my reminder. I've got to get it because this is one of those where I stop listening and I'm like, where's a piece of paper? I'm trying to like write down mm-hmm. the quote in oh. there because it's just eye-opening. Oh, that's okay. I think that's what you probably meant by obsessed. It's it's yes. that type of reading yes. where you're yes. like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. how I, I, I need to pause I love and that. think about this mm-hmm. and just immerse myself in the listening right. experience. Right. And and write something down. Yeah, that's that's a good listening experience. All right. Another one of my nonfictions that I am reading is Wintering, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times by Catherine May. My goal with this one is to finish it by spring. Right. Because then, sure. I mean, that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. I, and I really enjoy, I'm, I'm enjoying her writing. This is probably the first winter, maybe last year. Over the last couple of years, I've embraced winter a little bit more. And I feel like, like I'm a wintering sort of person. <laughs> I feel less frazzled in the winter than I do in the summer, which is kind of interesting. But that's the one I'm definitely reading slow, but I have that as a goal to finish. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's a good one. My last one is playing on my obsession of the ocean. It is The Wager, A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder by David Graham. And he is the author of Killers of the Flower Moon. I just put that together today. I'm like, oh, duh. I'm going to do the audio of this because Dion Graham narrates, and I love him. So this is a story of shipwreck, survival, and savagery culminating in a court martial that reveals a shocking truth. Mm -hmm. I want to know what happened. It sounds exciting. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Scary, exciting, all of the emotions. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I bought this for myself. Oh. This was the other book I bought. Because I bought two. Oh, we talked about it in mail for mailbag. This was the other book I bought from Thunder Road Books that Kate from Thunder Road Books recommended. Did you bring them both? 
No, I only brought the oh, I only okay. brought the other the other nonfiction. No, the, say, but I, I bought two. No, I I bought two. But you're right. The audio. I was like, oh, Dan Graham narrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm very interested in this one too. All right, my last book is called The Art of Mindful Reading: Embracing the Wisdom of Words by Ella Bertaub. Um, I came across this at the library when I was doing a library browse of nonfiction a couple weeks ago. I just saw the title and I was like, oh, yeah, I need this. So I brought it home and I have been, I've been reading a chapter here and there. I like it a lot. I thought there wasn't much I needed to learn about reading because it's Mm -hmm. something I do, but there is something to learn about mindful reading. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I want to incorporate more of that. Now, what that looks like is for me is going to be different than what it looks like for other people. But I like what she has to say so far in this little book. It's not very long. And I think, you know, I probably finish it within a few weeks. I like nonfiction reading about reading. I know. It's, good... I don't, it's not something I regularly do, no. but I thought this, yeah, I was like, you know what? I can always improve especially we talk about books in such, you know, in a public way. Mm-hmm. I am open to learning about how to do that better, how to, how to maybe be a, a bit more, well, mindful when I'm reading. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Well, let me tell you about my first book and okay. sticking with nonfiction. It was House Love by Patrick Richardson. This one came out on December 26th. I got it in the mail and I loved it because I liked the subtitle. Is that what it's called? This mm-hmm. A Joyful Guide to Cleaning, Organizing, and Loving the Home You're In. And it's just like a pleasant cover. It's a little vacuum cleaner with, with the hose in the with shape the hose of the heart. heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought, well, that's sweet. And then I looked at it and I have to be honest. I thought, okay, oh, a man wrote this. And so <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want a man uh, t- mansplaining to me how to organize and and be in my home. But then I Googled him. and He's the only one I want to hear from now. He looks so sweet. And he radiates joy from his pictures and Instagram. But what this is, is a straightforward guide to cleaning with this cheery and thoughtful guide to tidying up and turning your house into a home. And I didn't know this. He is known as the laundry evangelist. I hate laundry with a fiery passion so much. So I would like to read his other book. Maybe I'll learn to find joy in doing laundry. But He genuinely has a love for household chores. And I thought, I want that. I've always Mm -hmm. joked to my friends that are very tidy and very, you know, controlled. I'm like, give me a little bit of that. Like, I just want a little (laughs) bit of that so I can clean up my home better. But his philosophy is simple. Tidying up is a privilege and a task you do for those you love, including yourself. I thought that's true. Mm -hmm. There are a million ways to infuse joy into the everyday. And he gives you suggestions on how to cultivate that mindset. No joke, it's been helping me. It's been helping me just really enjoy some of these tasks like laundry, putting clothes away, cleaning the kitchen that are mundane. But I'm like, when you think about it as a privilege and like respecting your home and doing it for your family, that's really worked for me. He breaks the book down into different areas, entryway, kitchen, et cetera, he gives you steps on how to deeper clean as well as a 10-minute refresh. He also talks about just using things that are meant for other purposes. Like, okay, you want to use your end table as a as a side table in your bedroom? Go for it. He's just like fun. It was endearing to read. It was a fast read. 
I would say it's probably not for you if you're an expert organizer or cleaner, but for someone like me, it was wonderful. Um, And it was pleasant to read, and it really did inspire me to take more joy into the everyday cleaning and tidying. And it was in a non-judgmental way. Like, he Mm -hmm. yells at the reader, like, don't be judgmental. Like, it's okay to have this or that. Just do, you know, try it this way. And like, what a pleasant person. He seems like a wonderful guy. This was House Love by Patrick Richardson. Oh, I love that. I love it. I love when people are so passionate about what they do. Yes. What and it comes across as encouragement and yeah. even some I mean something about cleaning. Yeah, encouragement, like, no judgment. And I just picture him sometimes when I'm doing laundry, like just like enjoying his little laundry room. <laughs> And like, okay, some of the references, I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Like, this is just not my genre, culture. I don't know what mm-hmm. he's talking about. <laughs> like, I, he lives in, he's, I think he's from the South, lives in Minneapolis. So some of the things I think are from his Southern roots, but it's a pleasure to read. I had a good time. Okay. All right. Good. Well, my first new release is Water by John Boyne. Now, Ooh. this is actually a November release in the UK. I cannot find a U.S. publication date for this, and I'm really surprised. I don't know if it's going to be published in the U.S. However, you can get this very easily on blackwells.com, which is where I ordered it. And this is John Boyne's first of a four-novella sequence of the elements. So Earth, Fire, and Air— will follow at six-month sequences starting in May. So Earth is coming out in May of 2024, and then Fire in November, and then Air will be May of 2025. They're going to be separate books that have, a. it seems like, a character that will travel from one book to the next. But Water was its own story. And this was a 166-page novella that I binged in print and absolutely loved it. Oh my gosh. What he was able to do in 166 pages. Oh. All right, this is about this is about Vanessa Carvin and the first thing she does when she arrives on the island is change her name. To the locals, she is Willow Hale, a solitary outsider escaping Dublin to live a quiet, sheltered existence in a small cottage not a notorious woman on the run from her past, which, yes, she is. (laughs) But scandals follow like hunting dogs, and she has some questions of her own to answer. A big one is, if her ex-husband is really the monster everyone says he is, then how complicit was she in his crimes? She is here on this island because she feels that escaping her old life is the best thing she can do. But what she finds is that the choices she has made throughout her marriage have consequences. And while she's here on the island, she's going to have to reflect on those, what she did during that time and what she did not do. And only then can she discover whether she is worthy of finding peace at all. I initially thought this was going to be a psychological thriller. It is not. It's not a psychological thriller. What it is, it is a haunting, reflective story about one woman trying to escape her past and whether she deserves to not only have peace, but does she deserve forgiveness? Does she deserve 
to be happy at all? Does she deserve to keep going? This story looks at what it means to be truly alone, but yeah, and and to have nowhere to hide, especially from yourself. So Vanessa is 52 years old when we meet her, and she is absolutely at a crossroads in her life. And once she's on the island, she's going to attempt to blend in while also keeping her distance. And this is a small island. These people know each other, and it's really hard to hide. And little does she know that the island and those living on it may just be exactly what she needs to help her find herself again. I mean, I've read John Boyne before. This is amazing writing, I thought. It's literary, but it is so... I don't know. I want to say fast-paced, but it's not a fast-paced thriller. There's not a lot of action. It's just the way he writes. And I think it's perhaps because there's a lot of dialogue that it was like, it was just going at a clip for me. I had to know, I had to know more. I had to stay in with these characters and what they're talking about. And, and man, did I find Vanessa so fascinating. And of course, there's a little, there, there's a, a little underlying mystery here because of course it, it's what happened. Okay. What did her husband do? What happened to her family? I mean, something happened. She's all alone. We know she had daughters. We know she had a husband. What went wrong? That is a compelling element to the story that, let me tell you, John Boyne, he knows what he's doing because he just gives a little bit and then a little bit and then a little bit so that me, the reader, you, the reader, can just start to put the pieces together. And, and then I just could not stop. Now, I have to say, please check Storygraph, the Storygraph for content warnings on this one. I don't want to say here what they are, but there are quite a few content warnings to this story. Um, I think a couple of them would be spoilery. So um, if you really, really want to know, you can message me um, and I'll tell you what I I think are the biggies. But the story goes to dark places. Some of what is happening and what has happened is really hard to read about. But man, did I fly through this. This is the first print book I've read start to finish the entire thing in print. I had my highlighter. I had my little tabs. I love this book. I have already pre-ordered Earth, and this one is Water by John Boyne. Good review. Yeah, I Thanks. knew. I, I wasn't sure if it was coming out in the U.S. Like if it, I'm, it I don't, like, know don't know why it wouldn't, but I couldn't find anything about it. All right. Well, let me tell you about my next book. Just came out January second. It's First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston. This is the bookstagram darling right now. Everyone's reading mm-hmm. it, and it's so so good. I'm going to do this as bare bones as I can without spoiling anything. Evie Porter has everything nice. She's a Southern girl. She's got a perfect boyfriend. They have a lovely house, and there's a group of friends she is getting to know. The only catch, Evie Porter doesn't exist. She is a woman who is hired to work as a mark and basically get information on people. She gets the identity first, then she gets the location, and then she gets to know what she's there to do. Now her latest mark is Ryan Sumner, who is her boyfriend that she's living with, right? And we hear things from there. 
The only thing is, she's starting to wonder, God, I I kind of like this life. (laughs) What would it be Mm -hmm. like if this were actually my real life and I was actually Evie Porter? But she can't make any mistakes because her boss, Mr. Smith is his name, is pretty dangerous, it sounds like. And she's already in hot water because of what happened last time, which we find out later. I enjoyed this from page one. <laughs> I truly was one from the beginning. We're doing a story graph challenge, by the way, for Book Talk, etc. One of our prompts is hooked from the first page. This would be a great pick for that. The writing is good. And I was immediately curious as to what Evie was up to. And what I loved is that she is a smart character and morally gray. And both things were true. And I was rooting for her, even though she's probably doing some nefarious things. I didn't care. I wanted to know more about her. I was curious. The author gave her a lot of layers. I love the chapters because they were short. So I'm flying through this book. And all I wanted to do was keep reading. I was getting mad because I was uh, my husband was working. I was like, gosh, these children keep interrupting my book. <laughs> <laughs> so I did switch to audio at one point because I was doing things around the house. Very well narrated by Saskia Marleveld. We love her. Mm-hmm. However, I preferred the print personally because there is quite a bit going on. It's a puzzle. There's a lot of names and locations. And I like to use the print copy to help myself keep track of the timelines and the various names used. I like that there were high stakes here. It wasn't petty drama like, oh, you know, this or that. It was high stakes in plenty of things going on. It kept me guessing. You all know I'm a bad detective and I didn't know where it was going. And I loved that. I didn't mind that. I did hear this is going to be adapted into a show, which I would love to see. And I recommend this. If you like con stories with smart female main characters, false identities, cat and mouse plots, and or morally gray characters, this could be for you. It's my first five-star read of 2024. It's First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have this on my radar. I was waiting to get all my books read for this episode mm-hmm. then because I knew this was one you were going to be doing. And then I was like, okay, then I'm going to squeeze this in. You could finish it so fast, I bet. Yeah, but you really, really got me with morally gray characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are my favorite. Yeah. And too, if you're a reader that doesn't read a ton of thriller suspense because you don't like violence, there's not a lot of like, you know, I like the gore and the gruesome. Mm-hmm. It's off the page if anything happens. So you don't, you know, it's it's a puzzle more than anything else. And I typically okay. don't like puzzles. So this was so, so well done. Okay. Well, that's actually perfect for my second book, which is a puzzle. And it, it does have some gore and some gruesome. I shouldn't say gore, but some gruesome. It is The Mountain King by Anders de la Motte. Oh, man. Oh, man. I can, this was my first five-star read of 2024. Yay. I cannot tell you how excited I was to stumble across this book. This is about criminal inspector Lenore Asker, who seems to have the leading position in the major crime division within the Swedish police department that she works in. And then one day, things start to go a little haywire when, in the middle of a high-profile kidnapping case— Her management team relegates her to literally the basement and the so-called Department of Lost Souls. And this is the unit for odd cold cases that no one else really wants to work on. So let me back up because this book opens with the current kidnapping case, the situation of who's kidnapped. We are, oh my gosh, 
we are there. We are watching, well, technically reading, but I felt like I was watching a movie as these two people come across someone who is not going to be good for them. And so let me just tell you, the opening scene is chilling and it pulled me right in. Okay. So who is Asker? She is a detective. She gets sent to the Lost Souls. And there she starts to continue to work on this high-profile kidnapping case, although she's not supposed to. But then she gets drawn into one of the more peculiar cold cases. And in this particular cold case, someone is placing little small figures in town, and one of the figures represents what Asker thinks is the missing woman from the kidnapping case. But she's like, how is this possible? Like, this is a cold case that people have been working on for years where this is a genius idea. These little tiny figurines, they're hand, like some of them are hand-painted, but they were being placed in these elaborate, like small town architectural type of handmade communities, if that makes sense. Like people were doing this type of architectural art and then other people were putting these random figures in. So she starts to put the clues together and she reaches out to a local architecture expert and together they start exploring whether or not there is someone doing this on purpose and has the evil that's been lurking in the community been going on for many years. All right. This one is really, I'm sorry, it's really hard to set up because it's a mystery, but it's also a thriller. And it's it's Scandinavian noir at its absolute best. I have not been this excited about a series since I read the Lacey Flint series by Sharon Bolton, Whoa. which yeah, which started with Now You See Me. Asker is completely different than Lacey Flint, but it gave me that vibes of like, oh my gosh. Number one, I like her a lot. I like her. I'm going to, I want to follow her. I want to see if I can put this puzzle together. Spoiler alert, I didn't have a clue what was happening. <laughs> I could not keep the puzzle pieces straight, let alone put them together. But that's what I look for in my mysteries. This author is so, so smart. The writing is perfectly paced. It is meticulously plotted, so much so that I knew, I was like, I was like just let it go. Like, let it go, because you are not going to figure this out. I love how the author slowly introduced the characters by quickly incorporating backstory that it just worked perfectly. It allowed me to get to know all of the characters at play, but not to the point where it dragged the story down. There are characters in this story. Some are good, some are evil. We do not know who is who, and that made it fun. Also, we get the perspective of who we think could be a serial killer, of who is behind the kidnappings, and how long has this been going on? That was something to figure out. It was chilling. I listened to this one. I have not listened to a book in so long where my heart was racing. It was like I was watching the movie where you, you 
like, I was like, oh no, 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 no. Do not open that door. Just don't do it. And <laughs> and my heart was just racing. I love this book so much. I immediately went and ordered books from his backlist that are not available to get on my Kindle or not available in audio. I think if you like Sharon Bolton, if you like Lars Kepler, if you like Stieg Larsson's The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, if you like any of those or a combination of anything like that, you have to pick up The Mountain King by Anders de la Wow. How exciting. Good job. So good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, all right. I know you t- you messaged me on Slack. Like, I'm so excited. I'm buzzing. That's the best when you're we're so oh. excited about our book that it's like we have to message. We don't tell each other what it is, but we're like, it was good. I can't wait to talk. I know. We tease each other behind <laughs> yes. the scenes. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of, let me tell you about my shelf edition. I hope you don't know about this book. I really hope because you're going to be jazzed. Okay. It is Guide Me Home by Attica Locke. It is book no, three. No, I didn't yes. know this. Yes. It is book three <gasps> in the Highway 57 series? What is Aaron. That? Aaron is back. Darren. Darren. Uh, Darren. Yes. How'd you forget that? Darren Matthews. Isn't that your husband's Now, it name? just came. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I thought Aaron. It's Darren Matthews. Yes. yes. Darren Matthews. Hold on. Is it Highway 59 series or Highway 57? I think highway it is 50- Highway 59. Okay. okay. So it is book three in the Highway 59 series. And I'm so excited. It's the case of a missing Black college student who has disappeared from her all-white sorority. It pulls Darren out of early retirement. And it's, again, the third and final novel in the Highway 59 trilogy, which Renee and I both love. Oh, it's the final? It says it's the final. Oh, and bummer. Mama okay. doesn't. I do not read series at all. I will yeah, read this Because I read books one and two. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you about it. Texas Ranger Darren Matthews, first of all, he's the best. We love him. Mm -hmm. But he isn't sure he's been a good cop, but he believes he's got a shot at being a good man if he manages to dodge the potential indictment hanging over his head and if he, from here on out, pledges allegiance to the truth. It's a virtue the country appears to have wholly lost his grip on, but one Darren sees as his salvation. He is in the midst of remaking his life with the woman he loves, hoping for peace in the country living at his beloved farmhouse when he is visited by someone who couldn't hold the truth on her tongue any longer. His mom. Armed with a tall tale about a missing Black college student, Sarah, whose white sorority sisters insist she isn't missing at all, Darren must decide if he can trust his mother is telling the truth, what her ulterior motive may be, and what if that motive has to do with a grand jury deciding his fate? Darren gets his hooks into the investigation, along the way discovers things about Sarah's family and her hometown that are odd at best, vaguely sinister at worst, hamstrung by local law enforcement and the Texas Rangers, who likewise doubt the account of the missing girl. If Darren wants answers, he'll need help from the person who he swore never to trust again, his mom. It's emotionally stirring, and again, it's the conclusion to the Highway 59 series. Darren reckons with his life's purpose as he's forced to choose between his own peace and the higher call to do good. If you liked All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby, get into this series by Attica Locke because same vibes, it's all good. I can't wait. Comes out on September 3rd, so we'll have to wait. But Mm. (laughs) this is Guide Me Home by Attica Locke. There had been nothing about this. I've been stalking this title for weeks because I heard about it, but I couldn't get a synopsis. So every week we recorded, I'd look it up, nothing. And then finally today, I'm like, yeah, we got a synopsis. Good find. Oh, I'm bum- I mean, I'm bummed that it's the final one, but I'm excited yes. to get back to 
finding out what happens with Darren and his mom. I know. Oh it's gosh. been a while since 2019. That was having my home was 2019. Wow. It's been that long. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. All right. My shelf edition is The God of the Woods by Liz Moore. And this comes out oh. June 11th. I have been waiting to find out when she is going to write another book. And it's coming. Now, Liz Moore is the author of Long Bright River, which I loved. So in this one, a teenager vanishes from her Adirondack summer camp. And when this happens, two worlds collide. So early one morning in August of 1975, a camp counselor discovers an empty bunk. And its occupant, Barbara Van Leer, has gone missing. But Barbara isn't just any 13-year-old. She's the daughter of the family that owns the summer camp and employs most of the region's residents. And this isn't the first time a Van Leer child has disappeared. Barbara's older brother similarly vanished 14 years ago, never to be found. So as a panic search begins, a thrilling drama unfolds. Chasing down the layered secrets of the Van Lair family and the blue-collar community working in its shadow, this multi-threaded story is going to invite readers into a rich and gripping dynasty of secrets and second chances. There's nothing I do not love about any of this synopsis. It is The God of the Woods by Liz Moore. All right. I know readers or listeners will be excited to hear about that one. Yes. Right. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content and community, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember... Everything's better with books. That's a great idea. Good job, me. Good job, Tina. (laughs) 